Last year we fasted. Our theme was Be the Church. We wanted to do foster care. We wanted to do 15 for 15. Uh, we wanted to raise up new small group leaders and all that kind of stuff. And I'm proud to say that everything that we aimed to do last year as we prayed and fast forward for it first came to pass in 2018. So that's a wonderful thing. And now this year going forward, our theme for this year, I'm so excited about this year. You're not going to hear about it much tonight, but going forward you'll hear about it, is who's next? Somebody say, who's next? Because I believe there are great people in North Idaho, great people in Woonsocket, online. Uh, you're next. You don't even know you're next, but you're next. God's going to use you in an amazing way in 2019, and the best is yet to come in our church. Amen. Praise God. So that's our theme, and we're going to pray and fast over that theme because uh, there is untapped potential in this church. I really believe it. We're going to see new leaders, new ministers, new leaders, new uh, ministry heads, all kinds of things are going to happen, new small group leaders, and you are probably one of those. If you're not already, you're probably one of those that God's going to raise up in this year. God is able. Amen? So today, though, we're going to start a new series, and it's called New Year Happy. Every year we wish Happy New Year, but is our New Year happy? And so today I want to talk to you about, and for the next four weeks, I want to talk to you about how to make your new year happy. And that's why we called it New Year Happy. Instead of just saying, wish, like, new, happy new year is like a wish. Happy new year. But new year happy is a firm thing. It's what we want, and I believe it's what we need. So would you take out your bulletins, as we do every week at our campuses? In the bulletins, there is a note page, and we want you to fill in the blanks and follow along with us through the message. And then also, you can hold on to this for a moment. It's in your bulletin. Just hold on to that for a moment. It has a special project for you today at our worship experiences. And then in the Bible, if you would go to Psalm 122. So 122. Psalm 122, as we start a series, New Year Happy. Come on, somebody say, New Year Happy. We want to be happy. I mean, it's in our DNA. I don't know where it comes from, but it's there to be happy. We end the year saying happy holidays. We begin the year saying happy new year. In a couple of weeks, we'll say happy Valentine's Day. A couple of weeks after that, happy St. Patrick's Day. And a couple of weeks after that, happy Memorial Day. And a few weeks after that, happy 4th. Happy 4th of July. Have yourself a happy 4th. And, and speaking of the 4th of July, our country celebrates the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. And in the Declaration of Independence, we have a phrase that all men are created equal and are endowed with certain inalienable rights by their creator. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, it's in the DNA of our founding document that we want our people to be happy. Isn't it amazing how much focus we put on being happy? And I have found that there is a trajectory in our country that actually betrays the reality that in spite of all of our well-wishing for people to be happy, we're not as happy nationally as we used to be. Like the prescription drugs, most of them are out there today for our mood. We want our 
medicines even to make us happy. We look for uh, adventure and we look for things beyond just the physical and you don't even have to be religious to look for things beyond the physical to make you happy. This is why some people turn to drugs and illicit sex or gambling or things that will take us to the place of higher reality. How many songs sing about, take me higher? And, and, and how many songs sing about happiness and wanting to feel alive? What are we talking about? We're talking about that happiness desire in all of us. Bad news for America, bad news. In 2007, we were the third happiest country of all industrialized countries. In 2018, we registered at number 18. Our trajectory as a country is going downward, not upward. A lot of people talk about this. When they were growing up, it just seemed like it was such a happier country, and today it's just not as happy as it used to be. Fast Company reports that the U.S., again, just the 18th happiest country in the world, and this is mostly because of poor health, poor economic mobility, and a lack of social cohesion. We're more alone. We're not in community, and so because of this, we're not as happy as we once were. In America, we have the unique opportunity, because we are one of the most blessed countries in the world, we have the unique opportunity to realize something, and that is this, that material advancement, pleasures, and possessions do not make us happier. Momentarily, yes. You buy that new car and you're happy. Oh, you're happy. It's got the new car smell. Is there any greater smell on the face of the earth than a new car smell? I wish that they could bottle it, but every time they bottle it, it smells like feet. How many know what I'm talking about? You can't copy that smell. I love the new car smell. And you're happy about the new car until you get the new car payment and insurance numbers and all the things that are gonna go scar and then you can't be happy about the car because it's gonna get messed up and nobody can ride in the car and if people are dirty, and by the way, you get your new car in Massachusetts, you get your new car in New England, God help you. Because it's like five good days of weather, the rest is mud, snow, ice, all this stuff that can get into your new car. That new car smell has no chance against New England weather. And so now we're not happy about that. We need something else to give us happiness. And our trajectory is on the downward trend. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.13, riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. Riches were kept by his owner to his what? Hurt. Like hoarding and getting actually can hurt you, not make you happy. Status doesn't make you happy either. Status doesn't make you happy. I talked about this a couple of months ago. You might not remember, but I'll remind you now. Um, Yale University's number one attended class, Yale University, New Haven, Connecticut, the number one attended class every year now is called How to Be Happy. The students are begging for happiness. And you would think, you got accepted into Harvard, I mean Yale. 
You should automatically be happy about that. But they still need happiness. 1,000 students every single semester. 1,000 students every single semester. Take that class. Because status doesn't make you happy. Geography doesn't make you happier. Geography doesn't. Some of you are convinced, I just need more sun. And you were, I was joking about Florida. Some of you were serious about Florida. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm just waiting until I can retire. Then I'm going to go. Because I'm so miserable. I can't even see the sun up here. All right, listen. You know that they rank the top countries with happiness. And the top five countries in the happiness scale are in above us, north of us, not south of us. Number one on the list is Finland. Finland. Like next door to Santa Claus. Number two is Norway. Number three is Denmark. Number four, you won't believe this, is Iceland. Their country is named after ice. And they're happier than us. <laughs> I mean, does anybody else think that's a little bit off? They're happier than us. And they're named after ice. Like, I just, to me, this is amazing. And I don't know if you've noticed this, as you, if those of you who are over the age of 18, the older you get, the harder it is to be happy. Anybody with me on that? How many of you look back in your teen years, you're like, man, I was just so happy back then. And some of that is, we look back in the past with rose-colored lenses. We weren't really happy. We had pimples, braces, <laughs> no social life. And uh, it wasn't that great. But we look back, and it actually is a physiological fact that the brain um, has these synapses in it, physically speaking, that uh, produce and receive dopamine. Dopamine is the happy chemical in your brain. And they have found out scientifically that as after your teenage years, after 18, those synapses that produce and receive dopamine slowly die um, over time. And so the older you get, the less happy receptors you have in your brain. And some of you are like, Pastor, you are doing a great job of depressing me. Stay with me. I always just build a case for why you need to come for the whole series. So that's what we're doing right now. I want you to write this down in your notes, though. I want you to write this down. Happiness does not just happen. Happiness does not just happen. And I would like to suggest and actually put it this way, that I think it's just the human condition itself, just being human, that works overtime to literally suck the happiness out of us, the human condition, because we're sinful, we're broken, we're in many cases a wreck financially, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, whatever, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, you just get older, it's just like, you, that's, now you're getting older on top of all the other problems that you got. And so what you need to understand, though, is that happiness doesn't just happen. But good news is that Jesus is in the happiness business. Amen. 
Some of you, I don't know where this came from, but it came from somewhere, maybe a church you went to, maybe a pastor, and I'm sorry about this, but you've been told or taught that God is only really pleased with you when you're miserable. And so wipe that smile off your face, you filthy sinner, and get yourself some dust and ashes and sackcloth. That's how the Old Testament saints did it. And if you want to be pleasing to God, you just be the most depressed you can possibly be. At least you're not going to hell. This is where Billy Joel gets the line in his famous song, Only the Good Die Young, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The devil has done a phenomenal job conning human beings to believe that he's got the fun and God doesn't. When it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. Jesus is in the happiness business. And you want to be happy, you want to start your life with Jesus. The joy of the Lord. What Lord? Jesus is my strength. Rejoice, Paul says, in the Lord always. If you're in Jesus, you got a reason to have joy. So happiness doesn't just happen. What I'm trying to tell you is you got to do things to be happy. And Jesus says this. In John chapter 13, verse 17, he says these words. If you know these things, what things? The things that I've taught you. Blessed, and the Greek word is makarios. If you do them. Why do I share with you that Greek word? Because the word makarios in Greek is the Greek word for happy. You say, well, why don't we just translate it happy in our English Bibles? Because we like to be religious. And the word blessed sounds more religious than happy. It's true. But the reality is that Jesus wants you happy. How do I know? Because he was always talking about what makes you makarios, blessed. The definition that I found from the Greek dictionary that I looked it up in is transcendent happiness. I want you to underline the word transcendent if you write this down. Transcendent happiness of a life beyond care, labor, and death. There's an interesting backstory behind this word makarios. It comes from the Greek word makar, M-A-K-A-R. And it's the word that the ancient Greeks would apply to their gods because the gods were exempt from the conditions of humankind. And because they were exempt from the conditions of humankind, they were by nature happy. And here's what that word therefore means, that there is a happiness that belongs to the arena of the deity, the arena of God that Jesus wants you to have that goes beyond the conditions and the circumstances of your life. And I'm telling you that if you don't learn how to be happy outside of the conditions and circumstances of your life, you will constantly chase happy where you shouldn't be chasing happy. You need to learn how to be happy regardless of what's happening around you. And Jesus gave us the prescription on how to be happy in spite of what's happening, and that is to find ourselves in him and to know who he is. So when he opens the store, when he opens his ministry, when Jesus shows up on the scene, most of your Bible is Old Testament, and about a third of your Bible is New Testament. And Christians read from the New Testament. Mostly we also get from the Old Testament, of course. But the New Testament is the ministry of Jesus. 
And Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 5, and he starts his public ministry with a sermon. We call that sermon the Sermon on the Mount, and it spans Matthew's, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it is the most phenomenal sermon ever preached. And in that sermon, the very first word, the very first thing that Jesus wants to preach to the world, word number one, blessed. I've come to make you happy. Do you see what Jesus is all about? It's like he couldn't wait to say, blessed. Now there's a powerful backstory behind that because the last word of the Old Testament is found in Malachi chapter four. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament and the last word of the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. Do you know what it is? Curse. Curse. The Old Testament is the story of the first Adam who failed God in the garden and consequently provided humanity with a curse. The story of the New Testament is about a second Adam, Jesus Christ the righteous, who comes to reverse the curse Adam gave us with the blessing he provides for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And he says, blessed. Now, Makarios, he says in verse five, 3 of chapter 5 in Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. Whoa. Jesus, what are you talking about? That's not what I read at the bestseller section at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> blessed are the mournful, the meek, the hungry for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness. This is the list that Jesus writes for the world. You want to be happy? Here's how you get it. This list in Matthew chapter 5 would not make it in any self-help book you can find on this planet. But Jesus, the son of the living God, says, no, this is the list. I want you to think about that. Tony Robbins would not write this down. Zig Ziglar would not write this down. Jesus says it. And I want you to hear the whisper behind the list that Jesus is saying. You can't get happy the way the world tells you to get happy. Amen. Are you hearing his whisper today? You can't get happy the way the world tells you to get happy. You got to go a different route. You got to go the route that Jesus outlines. And if you've put your faith in the Son of the living God, He's got a happiness plan for you, but it's not going to happen by you following the talking heads of your generation who promise you happiness for three easy payments of $39.95 plus tax and shipping and handling. There's a happiness to be had in Jesus. So let's go back to John chapter 13, verse 17. If you know these things, blessed, happy are you if you, underline the word, do them. We got to do it. Notice that Jesus makes it very clear. There's a qualifier for happiness. If. <clears throat> if you do. A lot of people know what Jesus said, but they don't do what Jesus said, and that's why they're not happy. And so here's our aim in life. We want to be 
happy. And happy is over here. And we're over here. We're not happy. What are we? We're crabby. <laughs> like we, we, we want to get, we want to get over here. But let's be honest, we're not really even crabby, are we? Most of us. Are crappy. <laughs> are you with me? And I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I want to do in this series is to make you realize that happiness doesn't just happen. You're going to be crappy by default if you don't do some stuff. So you can wish Happy New Year all you want, but wishes don't make the difference. The doing makes the difference. And what you have to see, and this is why I have the whiteboard, is because between crappy and happy, there's a space. And what you put in this space determines the trajectory of your spirit. Now, this makes sense. Because if you are, sadly, a little bit overweight because of the holidays, you can wish... For weight loss, all you want, happy weight loss. Yeah, you too. <laughs> but nothing's going to get you to that <laughs> without putting some stuff in the space. What do you got to put in the space? Exercise. What else? Diet. Diet. Yeah, no eating out. Right? you got to put that there, or else you're not going to get to that. So you have every right to be this if you're not willing to do this. So if you're lonely and you got no girlfriend, you want to be happy and married and maybe even with a couple of kids. Right? But if you don't put some stuff there, right? Like, what do you got to put in this space here? In this case, you got to put get haircut, <laughs> sell Xbox, <laughs> go outside, right? Like, you have to. <laughs> the, these things, if you do them, will potentially get you this. And some of you are broke. Those are pockets. <laughs> and, and, you know, you want, you want the retirement account at the bank. This is a bank, sorry. I'm a frustrated artist. We'll put a little bush there. All right, and you want that, but you're not going to get there. All the well-wishing in the world will not get you there. You got to do some stuff, like get a job and work maybe overtime, right? And, or get more education. I don't know, right? I don't know what it is, but there's, there's some things that you got to put in the space to get to happy. 
This is not rocket science, I know. I'm not teaching you anything that is not already available to your brain. But I am going to tell you something. What we typically do in January is we think about these things. And we talk about these things. And we even like starting these things. But they don't last. And so I'm not talking to you about a resolution. I'm talking to you about something beyond resolution because here's the only way you get from plump to muscular. If you do exercise and dieting regularly. And we don't call that activity and we don't call that a resolution. Here's the space that we need to, here's what we need to put in the space between crappy and happy. Here it is. It's a very simple word. Are you ready for it? Habit. Habit. Until you change your habits, nothing's going to change. And the reason why we don't make habits is because we are the momentary generation Post it, Instagram it, share it, but don't actually do it. And the people who make a change are the people who are too busy doing what they want to do to get to where they want to go to post it and share it and Instagram it. They don't care about looking sexy. They care about getting successful. That's the difference that I have found in my 42 years of life. That's the difference that I have found between happy and crappy. And you say, all right, you're, you're, you're not hitting me just yet because here's, here's the thing. I know that habits are more than resolutions because here's what a habit is. A habit is the birth child of forcing yourself to do something you don't naturally want to do again and again and again and again and again. Did you hear that? You only get a habit... When you make an activity in your life a habit against your will, against what's convenient, against what you don't want to do, and you say, I know I don't want to do it, but I want happy. I want to get there. So I've got to start doing it when I don't want to do it because the only thing that's going to change is when I start to create in my life a habit that happens automatically. And even if you don't think you got habits, you got habits. In fact, it's your bad habits that help you feel crappy. Are you tracking with this? It's the habits that you hate, that you didn't intentionally think about, that you didn't plan, that you didn't put down, that you just let yourself just decide what feels good in the moment. I'm just going to do it because I only live once. Hashtag YOLO. You only live once. Ah. And you start to say, wait a second, why is my life so crappy? Because you went, uh, uh. <laughs> Because someone on MTV would say, uh, uh. Or someone at school would go, uh, uh. Or someone next door, uh, uh. <laughs> Getting hoarse already. <laughs> but you've got to see it because if you don't see it, you'll never change. You'll never get to happy. You can get to the point where you don't feel right until you do certain things to end your day. Amen. And the only way you get there 
is forcing yourself to do it until it becomes a habit. Some of you got a habit. You want to watch Game of Thrones come hell or high water. You can't go to bed until you find out what happened to Hoosie Dinger. I have no idea who the characters are. I don't watch that show. I can't go to bed until I see. What is that called? That's a habit. Some of you came to worship early today, to get out of here early today, because you have a habit of never missing an NFL playoff game. Uh, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta see the Patriots, they count on me. No, they don't. But unintentionally, you made it a habit to be all about worshiping at the altar of football. And you don't even feel right if you don't sit down and watch four hours of television. <laughs> and I have bad news. You might love the Patriots. Bad news. They have lost or not been in the Super Bowl nine times more than they have won it. Which means that you have a nine times greater shot of being depressed and let down at the end of the soup at the end of the Patriots season every single year than you have of being happy. How's that habit working for you? <laughs> I'm just trying to help you because this series is not about. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're not talking about getting in shape, and we're not talking about uh, getting married. We're not talking about these things. I'm just trying to illustrate something because there are spiritual habits that are going to lead to happiness. Amen. That's what this series is about. Take your Bibles out, Psalm 122. And here's, let's stand together in all of our campuses. And here's what the psalmist says about happiness. He says, I was glad, happy, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgments were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Verse 1 again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that as we begin this journey to develop habits that lead to true happiness, I pray that we will hear your voice and receive your word. And your word will be a seed that goes deep into the soil of our hearts and produces fruit in the fields of our lives and help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. The first habit that I want you to get, we can take this whiteboard away, friends. The first habit that I want you to get down in your spirit is week one. Here it is. Happiness happens when I draw close to God with his people in weekly worship. Happiness happens when I draw close to God with his people in weekly worship. There is a corollary stat to American life 
that aligns with our happiness epidemic. It's really quite interesting. Do you know what that corollary stat is? We've gotten more sad, and we've also gotten less devoted to the Christian faith. In the 1950s, 50% of Americans went to church every single week. Today, 20% go three times out of every eight weekends. And they call that commitment. And we got more technology, and we've got more money because we're twice as rich, believe this or not, as in a country, we're twice as rich as we were 50 years ago. And we've got more opportunity, and we've got more freedoms, and we've got more science and medicines, and we're less happy. There's one thing that we've got less of as a country that has, that has declined as our happiness has declined. What is it? Regular practice of the Christian faith. And it's like no one's saying this, and no one, you hear this, you never hear this on the news, and you never hear this in the newspaper, and you will never hear this on television talking heads. But the same thing that happened with our happiness level happened with our commitment to Christian faith level. And that is not a coincidence. Someone needs to say something, and I'm willing to do it. Amen. America wonders why it's so depressed. Because America has walked away from the one who was the source of joy. Amen, and, and you can prescribe things, and you can try things, and you can try to fix things, and you be get better and bigger things. I mean, think about this. It's, I, I, it's just, it's, this is the truth. And, and you've got to make yourself get to the house of worship with God's people. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of of the Lord, worship with the people of God every weekend in your life will make you happier. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Don't let it be a thing where you let the devil tell you, oh, you've had a hard week. You should just take off this, one, this Sunday. I'm amazed at how many people fall for that line of baloney. You've had a hard week. So let's take time off from God's house. That's like saying, oh, you just ran a marathon. Do you want to go drinking water right now? You're tired. You get it? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the stupidest thing that you can rationalize in your brain. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, as was his custom, his is Jesus here, his custom, he went to synagogue on the Sabbath day. As was his what? Say it, everybody, at our, both of our campuses. As was his what? Custom. He went to synagogue. There's one custom mentioned in Jesus' life in all the New Testament, and the only one that's mentioned is that he went to the, to the worship center on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was part of God's top ten. I want to put a habit in your week. I want to put a habit in your life. If you do this habit, it's going to go well with you. You're going to be happier. You need to get in the house of worship. Four benefits to the house of worship from Psalm 122, and then we're done. Number one, when I make weekly worship a habit, I get protection, spiritual protection, emotional protection. 
Notice in verse 2, he says, our feet have been standing within your gates. That's a protective word. Oh, Jerusalem. Now, I want you to just understand that the psalmist went to go to the house of the Lord, but when he got to the house of the Lord, he starts singing about the city in which the house of the Lord dwells. I want you to see this as a correlation. Jerusalem is the city, the people, and the house of the Lord sits in the midst of the city. And so he goes to go to church, religious experience, and, he and then he falls in love with the church, with the people of God. You come to Waters Church, you come to our weekend services, and you love the experience, but you will never be happy until you join yourself to the people Amen. who belong to Jesus. It, you need a relational structure in your life, and the church is New Jerusalem. The church is New Jerusalem. Because look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. The New Testament correlation between the old city Jerusalem and the ancient world and today is the church is New Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering. The angels are happy to be here. <laughs> You might not be, but they are. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, the city of Jerusalem was conquered by David. And I've been there, and, and I saw the shaft that he sent Joab to go and climb up to to open the gates from the inside so that David and his men could come in and conquer that city. And David established that city as the place where God's house would dwell. And in the midst of the city, he put the temple, his son did, and that became, and it still is today, the center of worship for the Jewish faith and, in many respects, for the Christian faith, the geographical center of worship. It all started in Jerusalem. And as, G, as, Dave, listen to this, as David conquered the city of Jerusalem, listen to me. Jesus conquered your heart and established you as God's city. We're the city of God. And in that city, we're firmly built together. We are, we are behind the gates. And this is why he says in Psalm 122, he says this, may, um, in Psalm 122, he says, may they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Jesus gives you security in the church. In John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And look at these secure words, these protective words. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen. I love that. If you come to Christ, he seals you in his hand, and there's no leaving. There's nobody who can take you away. There's nobody who can rob you of the joy that is to be yours in Christ Jesus because whatever comes against your soul, Jesus is stronger than whatever is coming against you and he has the power to defend you and keep you in his hand. To so have the confidence that you know who you are and where you stand with God is a freeing confidence that empowers the rest of your life and makes you happy. Number two, when I make weekly worship a habit, I get fortitude, strength. He says, Jerusalem, built as a city that is, next two words, everybody say it, bound firmly. Thank you for one person saying it. <laughs> Together. But we're bound firmly 
How? Together. The people I'm talking to you right now, you're watching online or you're listening on a podcast and you have no church and you think this is church. It's not. You need to get in relationship because in the relationships with other Christians is where you start to get strong, is where you have somebody else's faith come alongside you and say, I'm with you. I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll be there for you. I love it when people move in our church because I see who moves them, who picks up their boxes and brings them to the new house. Do you know who it is? They're small group members. When people get married in our church, it's amazing to see the bridesmaids and the groomsmen are their small group members and their small group leaders. They're people that got their backs. They got a strength in them. They got a fortitude in them because why? They don't belong to this earth anymore. They belong to the city that has foundations whose builder and maker is almighty God, the heavenly city. Some of you can't walk straight as a Christian. Do you know why? Your relationships. You keep binding yourself up with the wrong people and they bring you right out of the church. They bring you right out of the kingdom. They bring you right into the bad habits that make you feel crappy. And you need to start binding yourself to people who love Jesus and love God because they will make you strong. Amen. I'm telling you, the strength is bound up in the city. I was in Jerusalem and I took pictures of the city of David. I wanna show you these pictures because this is how the city looks. It's so cool. <laughs> Look at that. How close those houses are together. They pointed to that area. That's the Kidron Valley right there in the middle, right? And, and I'm, I'm actually, behind us is the Temple Mount, but that's the ancient city of David. Look at how close those buildings are. It's almost like one, one unit. It's almost like you can't tell where one house begins and another house ends. And I thought, what a perfect physical picture of the spiritual reality that Jesus offers us in the church. Like, do you got someone that's got your back in the church? Somebody scorns you on Facebook. Do you got a Christian friend who's gonna get up on that comment string and say, shut your mouth, that's a good person. I love that person. He's a brother in Christ. He's a, she's a sister in Christ. Do you got someone like that? Because the only way you're gonna do that is you're gonna get yourself committed to the house of the living God. Psalm 84 verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever singing your praise. They go from strength to strength. They get stronger. So I'm so committed to this this year, Waters Church, North Ottawa North and, and Woonsocket. We got a happiness project. And I want you to fill this out before you leave today. Three simple questions. And the questions have to do with where you are and where you're struggling because I want to make it that you, you are so excited to come here because here's what we're gonna do. I have, I have four sermon series planned for the year and the rest of the year is open and the rest of the year, the rest of the sermon series for this year are gonna be based on your responses. Where are you at? The number one thing I'm struggling with in my life right now is, write it down, uh, in what area of my life do I need the most help with in 2019? Check them. If, if it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, relational, there's also none of the above and all of the above. If you check none of the above, um, you don't have to come to church anymore. <laughs> no, you do because you're lying and you need to repent. All right, now, and then this big event is already on my schedule in 2019. I'm telling you, we're going to make series that are geared to what you need. I've never done this before. And this is going to be because I want you to come to church every week. I want it to be a habit for you. Number three, 
Please fill that out, by the way, before you leave North Attleboro Woonsocket and drop it in the boxes in the back of the uh, gathering places. When I make worship, weekly worship a habit, I get community. And we already kind of talked about this, but the tribes go up. The tribes. God does not create a person. He creates a people. Jesus did not call one person to follow him. He called 12 people. And there's a very poignant point. You need a family. You need a community. 1 Peter 2.10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. I'm so sick of the mantra of our age, of it's all about my dreams and my vision for my life. And you can chase your dreams and your vision for your life, and you can get to the top of the mountain, and you can find that you're the only one there, and you're completely alone. Amen. And that's not God's dream for you. He dreams of a people. We're bound firmly together who love one another. Psalm 122, verse 8, he says, for my brothers and companions. I got some brothers now. I went to the house of worship, and guess what I got? Brothers and companions. And now I say, peace be with you. And lastly, and number four, when I make weekly worship a habit, I get purpose beyond myself. And of all the research that I did about happiness, I found that the, one of the common denominators of all the results of all the scientific research about happiness is that what ultimately brings people happiness in our world is when they live beyond themselves. Amen. When they do things for others, when they get involved in mission and community. Amen. When you get involved in using your talents and gifts not so that others can praise you on social media, but so that you can just bless someone else's life. Paul says this in the book of Acts. He's quoting Jesus when he says it. He says, as our Lord said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more makarios. It is more happy to give and to receive. And so my question to you is, if you're feeling crappy and crabby <laughs> by 2020, you could be happy. But it's not just going to happen. You got to make God's house a habit.